I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. A still, small voice. Does anybody remember their first job? Anybody? Take a moment and think on it. What memories come to mind? It's August. It's hot. So it feels like a good time to ask that question, since I'm guessing that for many of us, our first job was a summer job. Perhaps you were a lifeguard, or you scooped ice cream, or you were a counselor at sleepaway camp. I ask that question because in recent days, I myself have been thinking about the first job that I ever had. Along the same vein of those positions I just mentioned, my first job was very much an adventure in seasonal employment. For seven summer seasons in both high school and in college, I worked as a deckhand on a fore and aft rigged topsail schooner, a 135-foot hunter green boat with big red sails faded by the sun that made a business of taking tourists for two to five hour cruises in the lower half of the Chesapeake Bay. Now what I'm about to say next is probably going to sound pretty obvious, but sailing is an activity, a sport, a phenomenon that is very much dependent on the weather. See, told you that would sound obvious. And because sailing is so dependent on the weather, certainly because good weather makes for good sailing and bad weather does not, we refreshed the forecast, watched the radar on the boat like a hawk, each time we prepared to set sail. But the thing about summer is, it's hot. And because it's hot, Storms, summer storms, can pop up out of nowhere. Remembering the day well, one day in particular, maybe better than I would like, it was just shy of three o'clock in the afternoon before we pulled the gangway, tossed the dock lines, and set sail for one of three cruises scheduled that day. If the job was anything, it was repetitive. I'd done these motions hundreds of times before, 
and would do them many more times after the fact. This cruise, the one I'm remembering, was set to be a short trip. But even so, we pretty much always tried to get the sails up, no matter how long or short a time we were going to be out, to at least try to sail or give the appearance even when the wind wasn't really there. And this cruise was no different. A short while into our journey, the captain pointed the boat into the wind, and myself and the other deckhands raised those same big red sails into the air as we had many times before. And so the sails went up, the journey continued, not much else to comment on from there. A pretty normal day. Until, of course, it wasn't a pretty normal day. About 10 minutes after we raised the sails, the captain's expression changed. And he then immediately instructed the crew to take the sails back down. A most unusual move since we had at least another hour or two of the cruise still left to go. But the weather had changed, and it had changed quickly. So we needed to get the sails down fast, turn the boat around, and get ourselves back to the dock. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. We never would have raised the sails, let alone left the dock, if we'd known what was coming. But it was summer, and it was hot. And because it was hot, storms, summer storms, can pop up out of nowhere. As we steamed back from the inner harbor to the river and eventually to within striking distance of the dock, so too did the pressure drop, did the clouds grow dark, did the rain pour from the sky. And of course, there was the wind. Usually harder to come by when it's so hot outside, but it was very much with us now. In fact, the wind was so strong that together with the rain and the waves, it became near impossible to dock the boat. The most seasoned member of the crew who had an arm like a cannon made attempt after attempt to get a line on the dock for someone to catch, but it just wasn't going to happen. Eventually, it was decided that trying to dock the boat in that kind of weather would actually be more dangerous than just riding out the storm from the river. So that's what we did. We sent every passenger below deck, and we waited, attempting to ride it out. At one point, as the captain was trying to position us into the wind, an enormous gust hit the side of the boat, pushing the whole thing to a truly unnerving angle as I watched a couple of deck chairs tumble into the water. A little while after that, a couple of the lines, the ropes that hold up the boom of the mizzen sail, which is just a big metal pole that controls the direction the sail goes. Well, those lines snapped. And so then the biggest boom for the biggest sail came down, cracking the roof of the wheelhouse as it landed. 
On pretty much any day, you could look out from where we were at that position in the river and easily make out the buildings and the landscape on either shore. But it rained so hard during that deluge, rain like I'd never before experienced, that you could not see a thing. And then, and then, it stopped. It just stopped. The rain and the wind and the clouds, all of it just cleared away. The whole experience, the worst of it, couldn't have been more than 20 minutes, 30 minutes tops. It was unnerving to say the least. Yet the contrast of that moment, the calm, the sheer silence, somehow felt hallowed. To this day, it remains one of my clearest memories of a peace that passes all understanding. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, after the fire, a sound of sheer silence, a still, small voice. In both our Old Testament lesson from 1 Kings and our Gospel lesson from Matthew, there's a theme that's shared between them, and that theme is not just bad weather, but chaos, which inevitably raises a question or two in the face of life's storms. Where is God in the midst of the madness, the tumult, the disorder, and disarray? Where is God in the midst of all that? Where is God in the storm? Well, let's ask Elijah that question first. At the top of the scene, the beginning of the passage from 1 Kings, we find the prophet Elijah in the midst of a storm. But it's a metaphorical storm. The bad weather hasn't gotten literal, at least not yet. Fearing a death threat made by an enemy, Elijah retreats. He flees to Mount Horeb, also called Mount Sinai in other biblical traditions, the same site where God is first revealed to Moses. And as our text reminds us, Horeb was known as the Mount of God. And so one should probably not be surprised if an encounter with the divine does indeed happen there. And considering that a death threat was not the only derailment along the journey of the prophets prophesying at this point, we might surprise that Elijah was likely very much in need of just such a divine encounter. He probably needed some help. Abandoning the place God had sent Elijah to minister, forsaking his call, Elijah plants himself in a dark cave on Mount Horeb and tries to forget the world. But just as God was very much with Elijah in the chaos of a ministry gone awry, God was also with him in his place of retreat. Huddled in that cave, a great wind passes by, 
so great that it splits mountains and breaks rocks in pieces. But God was not in the wind. Next, an earthquake comes, followed by a fire. But God was not in the earthquake, and God was not in the fire. But then, then, and after all of that, there comes a sound of sheer silence, a still, small voice, a gentle and quiet whisper. And finally, finally, Elijah steps, I imagine hesitantly, out of the cave. Now standing at the mouth of the cave, he hears that gentle and quiet voice again. And then a question comes. My dear Elijah, God says, tell me, tell me, I've got all the time in the world to listen. What are you doing here? And so Elijah starts talking. He tells God his struggles, how he worked so hard, harder than he's ever worked in anything, and how it all went to pieces, like the rocks from that mountain. And he tells God that he feels lonely and at the end of his rope, adrift in a world filled with fracture and heartache. But what Elijah discovers, and perhaps you have too, is that storms don't abate when we try to run from them. If anything, they grow more intense because retreats force you to stop and listen to what's been trying to catch you. Or maybe I should say retreats force you to stop and listen to who has been trying to catch you. Because in both Elijah's story and yours, the answer is the same. The voice that will never ever stop seeking you and loving you on the other side of every fierce wind, earthquake, and fire is God's. As he did for Elijah, he will do for you too. He will meet you gently. He will listen to your troubles, your story of things gone wrong. And he will love you back into the world and renew the fight within you to make the people and places you meet more like the love, the divine love you have known. Yes, where is God in the midst of the madness, the tumult, the disorder, the disarray? Where is God in the midst of all that? Where is God in the chaos and the storm? When I read the gospel lesson appointed for today, two stories initially come to mind. The first one I already told you, like the disciples, I was out on a boat in the midst of bad weather and felt not only terrified, but far from God. The second story that came to mind, though, happened a bit more recently. A few weeks ago, while I had some time off, I spent a week visiting friends in Boston. Having some free time while I was there, I wandered around the South Boston waterfront until I happened upon a small chapel near the water. It's called Our Lady of Good Voyage. And being an unabashed church nerd, I just couldn't help but pop in. Built as a church to serve mostly fishermen and dock workers, an interesting feature of the space is that along both the north and south aisles of the chapel, 
you will find a series of model boats hung from the ceiling. It's unusual to see these in the U.S., but the practice of constructing votive ships to hang inside churches is actually an old tradition. Dating back to the 15th century, primarily in Europe, seamen and their families started building and commissioning model ships to adorn their churches as a way to remember particularly perilous journeys and the steadfast presence of God in every single one of them. And actually, if you want to see examples of what I'm talking about in person, St. Paul's Episcopal Church in the Carroll Gardens neighborhood of Brooklyn has two votive ships. The first was commissioned after World War I, and the second was commissioned more recently in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Not a racing heartbreak, nor the pain of death, the unbelievable pain of such loss. Votive ships hang from above to remind those below that there is always hope in the love of a savior who walked on water, walked the road to Calvary, so that the dead things of this world can never push us below the waves. All of us, all of us come to this place knowing something about storms, about rough weather, about the awful things this life can throw at us. But as we leave today, may we leave wondering this, what signs, what things, what symbols, what boat of ships, what still small voice comes from above, hangs from above to remind us of the difficult stuff we as a people have already weathered. What lifts our head and gives us hope? I hope one of them is the cross, that tree of life that stands eternally to remind all of us that God's story, that our story meets no end in death. Or in the words of that prayer, that much loved prayer, life is eternal and love is immortal and death is only a horizon, and a horizon is nothing save the limit of our sight. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.